Behold, the Lamb of God takes away the sin of the world. Amen. God's word for our sermon today is from the third gospel. It's from Luke chapter 4, verses 1 to 13. My dear fellow believers in Jesus, the temptation to sin is all around us. That's because our three great enemies, they they specialize in it. We've got a sinful heart that's a tinderbox, ready to be set ablaze by the first spark of provocation. There's an unbelieving world out there that dangles in front of us all kinds of things that God says are evil. (laughs) And the coordinator of all of this is the devil himself, the liar personified, huh? who's had thousands of years to perfect temptation techniques. So we'll never get away from temptation. It will be there for us from cradle to grave, through all the different stages of our life. And you know, and as the years go by, the temptations to sin will change for us personally. I mean, the temptations to sin, they're they're different when we're five years old than when we're 25 years old or when we're 55 years old or 75 years old. And while it's not a sin to be tempted, it is a sin to give in to temptation. See, it's never okay to say, Oh, the devil made me do it. I couldn't help myself. I had to give in to sin. And that's where God's word speaks to us today. Our scripture text tells us how to deal with this, this issue of temptation. The key to it all is Jesus. And so our God says to all of us today, conquer temptation through Jesus. First of all, trust his victory for us. And then secondly, uh, imitate his use of the word. The devil came to Jesus there in the desert as Jesus began his three-year ministry. And the devil gave him three very specific temptations. And Jesus dealt with all three of them head on. And he conquered them for us. Let's look at them in detail and see how Jesus did that. After fasting, and it's not eating, for 40 days, obviously Jesus was hungry. We read, the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. If you are the Son of God. Those are fighting words from the devil to Jesus. See, they challenged Jesus to use his personal power as God for himself. The question is, what kind of Messiah would Jesus be? Here he is, true human being, hungry. Would he use the power that he had to feed himself? Would he look to himself and make sure that he took care of his own personal needs? We know the pressure the devil put on Jesus to use that power he had because the devil speaks the same way to 
to us. You're a pastor? <laughs> Take charge of your people like some little pope, huh? Get them to do what you want them to do, huh? You're a parent? Boss your kids around with the authority you have over your kids, no matter what their age is. You have authority at work? You have status in the community? You have friends and companions here in our congregation, our Savior? Throw your weight around. Get what you want, huh? Talk to people. Pull some strings behind the scenes. Do an end run. Throw your weight around. That's why you have the power and the influence you have. Does it sound or feel familiar? Jesus said, it is written, man does not live on bread alone. See, Jesus refused to use his power as the Messiah for himself. It was not about him getting what he wanted. It was not even about him getting what he needed. He conquered the devil's temptation. And he did all of that for you. And for me, he did it in your place and in my place. And because Jesus has conquered temptation, now we have a perfect forgiveness for all of our manipulative thoughts, all our power plays, all our abuse of power. How about the second temptation of the devil to Jesus? We're told the devil led Jesus up to a high place, showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to Jesus, I will give you all their authority and splendor, for it has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. So if you worship me, it'll all be yours. Ah, there it is. All the world's power and glory. The magnificence of Rome. The majesty of Athens. The splendor of Buckingham Palace. The glamour of the White House. And surely, as Henry IV of France once said, Paris is worth a mass. Right? It's all yours, Jesus, the devil whispers. Just worship me. We all know that temptation, how it sounds to us. Well, you're a pretty important person there, Pastor Papathos. Huh? Our Savior's your congregation now as the vacancy pastor. You need to shepherd it in a way that people think you're the greatest pastor here on the planet. So what you do needs to be popular with people and with the world around you. As congregation members, huh? It's all about people ooing and eyeing over all the programs and the wonderful things that we have done here. Is it that? Is being a Christian about influencing our society around us to make us look so great? Should we as Christians look first and foremost to make this world into a better place to live so that people can fawn all over us? See, the temptation is out there in all kinds of different forms. But it is the devil's temptation all the same when he leads us to look 
to have earthly glory and earthly splendor and to bow down at the altar of worldly commendation, all at the expense of, thus says the Lord. Worship the Lord your God and serve him only, Jesus said to the devil in response to that second temptation. You see, Jesus focused in on the real nature of God's kingdom. It's not external. It's not worldly. It's spiritual. It's centered in on the gospel. It's all about suffering. The suffering of God's Messiah and the forgiveness of sins that make up the heart and the core of God's loving heart. For you see, being a Christian is not about a crown. It's about a cross. Jesus once said, if anybody would come after me, he must take up his cross and follow me. Jesus conquered this insidious temptation of the devil to him, that is to focus in on worldly glory. He set his face like flint to go to Jerusalem, to suffer and to die there for your sins and my sins and for everybody else in this world. Jesus came to win for us forgiveness for all of those sins, and he would not be deterred from his gospel mission. Thank God that he wasn't. That Jesus won that victory over this temptation of the devil, and he did that for us, so that we now, inspired by the gospel, can worship the Lord and have him be the center of our lives. One more temptation that Jesus won for us in our text. The devil took Jesus onto the top of the temple and told him this, throw yourself down. And then we see the real temptation. The devil quotes scripture. The devil tries to justify Jesus jumping by telling him God would protect him as he did that. After all, God would understand The devil quotes Psalm 91 that we sang earlier and basically tells Jesus, here's a way you can show how great God is and that he's taking care of you. Satan's clever for us that way too, isn't he? He knows how to use the Bible, or we should say he knows how to misuse the Bible. He says, go ahead, live recklessly, take chances, stay up all hours of the night, eat whatever you feel like eating, don't worry about the effect on your body, drive your car as fast as you can. After all, God says he'll protect you. That's a misuse of God's word. The devil says, go ahead and sin. You're a young man, you're a young woman, you have desires for the opposite sex. God made you that way. God gave them to you. Satisfy them. You can always come back to God and ask him for forgiveness at any time. That's a misuse of God's word. The devil says, oh, you're an older person now. You've been around the block a few times, and you know a little something about life. Speak up your mind, right? Tell people what you think. Tell them off if you have to, even if it hurts their feelings, and it's said lovelessly. See, that too is a misuse of God's word. Thank God that Jesus conquered this temptation for us 
by using Scripture correctly. Yes, God promises to protect us, but Jesus qualifies that when he says, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Jesus always balanced all of God's word for us. He always interpreted it and always applied it correctly. And he did all of that in our place for us, for you, and for me. He has won the victory over all of the devil's word twisting that he does. So where do we go from here? Well, Jesus defeated the devil for us here in our text. Three times do we think, oh, that's it. Now I can get back to my caving in for temptations and always go back to Jesus for forgiveness. God forbid that type of thinking. Because Jesus conquered temptation for us, now we are also able, in him and in the power of the gospel, to conquer temptation as he did. We'll want to thank our God for Jesus' victory for us by imitating Jesus and conquering the devil as he tempts us. Did you notice that in all three temptations, Jesus defeated the devil by quoting Scripture? What a lesson that is for us. Because, you see, if we're going to overcome temptation, we need to do exactly as Jesus did. Glom on to the Bible. To think about it regularly. Quote it. And correctly apply it in our daily lives. We need to be lifelong students of the Bible. So that we can do that for ourselves. And so that we can help others in our lives understand and apply God's word. So let's go back to each of the three temptations and see how we can use the word of God like Jesus did to conquer temptation. First one was a temptation for Jesus to use his power for personal gain. Because he was hungry, the devil plays on that and tries to get Jesus to turn stones into bread. After all, he was human. He needed to eat. The temptation is really the end justifies the means. You'll have to do what you have to do just to get along in life, to put food on the table, and to stay out of jail. Huh? Temptations like that come to us to cut corners at work just to get the job done, or to ignore what the proper procedure is so that you don't get into trouble. Temptations come to us to, to make the things of this life that we need Getting money, making ends meet, satisfying our daily desires. To make that the most important thing in life. But God's word always says to such a mindset, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things you need for this life, they will be given to you as well. The second temptation is a lesson for us on how to use the word of God when we're pulled toward making earthly glory and earthly splendor, all so important. Don't fall for the temptation in our world to revel in the glamour and the glory of our world. Don't seek to make the acclaim of, of colleagues or the friendship of classmates or the approval of the elites in our society, the shakers and movers of our world. Don't make that what you're striving for. 
be deceived by the devil's lie that what the big shots of this world think about you, that that really matters, that that's all important. God's word tells us that our greatest service is when we express kindness and compassion and love and help to the down and out, to the poorest of God's poor people. And then we don't let our left hand know what our right hand is doing. God's word always tells us to act on principle and to do what's right, even if it rubs up against the authorities of our land, even if it hurts. God's word tells us to always speak the truth in love, even if important people think that we are politically incorrect and we're going to need some sensitivity training. That's how we worship the Lord and we serve him only. And finally, the third temptation, really the, the trickiest of all. Notice how Jesus used the Bible to interpret the Bible. He refuted a misuse of God's word with a proper explanation of another word of God. We imitate Jesus in that way when he used the Bible to stand up against false doctrine. We imitate Jesus in this way when we make Bible study and Bible discussion and Bible application the center of our lives and that we do it on a daily basis with one another. We imitate Jesus in his use of the word when we're not satisfied just with coming to church for, for worship once in a while, but when we delve into our scriptures, when we use our Bibles, wear them out, huh? mark them up, read that word, and seek to apply it. We imitate Jesus when we go to those people who can help us, to our pastors and teachers, to have members of our family, fellow congregation members who are mature in their faith, look to their guidance and to their help. The Bible says, as newborn babies, desire the sincere milk of the word so that you may grow up in your salvation. That way we are able to recognize error and not fall for those misuses of scripture that are so much out there in our world. Yes, conquer temptation through Jesus. You know, individually, personally, you'll never do it perfectly because you'll never get away from temptation until the day that you die. The devil doesn't give up on you. Huh? Jesus didn't get away from temptation either. Notice it says at the end of our scripture, the devil left Jesus until an opportune time. Jesus had to face the devil again and again and again through the upcoming three years. But he finally defeated the devil completely when he hung on that cross and shouted out those beautiful words, It is finished. And then he rose from the dead to prove that the victory was won. And he did all of that for us. Trust in that victory. Trust in this gospel truth that Jesus has won for you over all of your temptations. If you mess up, he'll always take you back and forgive you. Huh? And then follow his way of using the word more and more in your own individual lives to conquer the ongoing temptations that the devil inevitably throws at you. Amen. Please stand.